The world is rapidly changing. Nations are perplexed at unprecedented events and conditions. They seek the truth. What about you? Stay tuned to the episode of The Cleaver of Truth to discover what is God's last message to the world. And now, join your host, Dr. Justin Erasmus and Miracle Chogogudza in their quest to find out what is the great cleaver of truth. Mr. Chogogudza. Yes, Dr. J. How are you doing? My dear friend, I'm doing well. Uh, how are you doing? No, I am. Yeah, I cannot complain. God is good. Mm. It's been a mm-hmm. good week. Quite mm. fast, but yeah, can't believe it's Friday again. Yeah. Mm. I I had a good week myself as well. I I had um, you know I, I fell in love with this one song. You know when you when you listen to a new song and it just hits you so much, yeah. like you listen to it on repeat. Like I I couldn't skip the song. I kept yeah. coming back to the song. Yeah. And you know I was I was as well. I was reflecting on last week's episode. Mm. And I thought to myself, like, I was just like pondering and thinking, wow, you know, we say the word interesting a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I would just finish saying something like, you know, oh, the, I found this thing quite interesting. And then yeah. you would say, and it's interesting, <laughs> like. <laughs> it's isn't it. I, I, I can't find personally, I can't find a better word to express how mm. what we're discussing mm. is impacting my life mm. more. No, so interesting is like yeah <laughs> interesting <laughs> it was like yo we are so liberal with this word but like yeah. it, it, as you said it's so it's perfect I don't know I don't know another word I think <laughs> yeah the, our listeners must just be with us <laughs> point so yeah so I think we can we can start um, will you please open for us with a word of prayer shall we close our eyes Gracious, divine, loving Father, I would like to thank you, dear Lord, for this wonderful day you've blessed us with again, dear Lord, as you're about to get into your word. Dear Father, I pray that you anoint our lips. May you please put your words into our mouths so that whatever we speak mm-hmm. may be from you, dear Lord. Bless those who shall listen to this um, podcast, dear Father. May you please prepare their hearts to accept the word, to accept the message. Mm-hmm. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, um, our theme verse, I should say, is Revelation chapter 14. Um, and of late, we've been dealing particularly with verse 6 and verse 7. Oh. It reads, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. Now we've been spending a great amount of time just on these two verses, oh. and with good reason. Um, last In the last two weeks we've been looking at this concept of fearing God and giving Him glory in verse 7. Um, we saw that to fear God means to depart from evil. To give him glory means to reflect his character. And we've also found that both these two concepts or ideas or instructions or commandments from the Lord are rooted in God's law. In other words, we are effectively being told 
um, or called to obedience concerning mm-hmm. God's commandments, concerning His law. Mm-hmm. Right. So those are the first two instructions. Then the third instruction is given in verse 7 where it says then to worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. However, before we get into that, mm-hmm. we first need to understand the reason for fearing God, for giving him glory. We need to understand the reason why we are to keep his commandments as we've just said or as I've just said that. To fear God, to give Him glory, is rooted in God's law, in His commandments, in His Ten Commandments. So, now, in the previous two lectures, we have we have studied those things, and now we are giving the reason, or we are given the reason why we are to keep His commandments, and that reason is found in the the second half part, or the second half of Revelation chapter fourteen verse seven, where it says, "For." The hour of his judgment is come. It says, fear God and give him glory. Then he gives the reason for the hour of his judgment is come. So in this episode, we are going to um, dissect this, really unpack this concept of the hour of his judgment is coming. In fact, over the next, uh, we're going to take some episodes to really dive into this, to go deep into this idea um, of this hour of judgment. Mm. Um, so the first thing that we notice concerning this is that if we look carefully at the language, we see that this message, while it is being preached, it says, and the hour of his judgment is come. So it's not past, it's not future, it's present, right? Mm. Meaning that this judgment is going on as we speak and as this message is being proclaimed it is being proclaimed simultaneously to the judgment actually commencing or being in progress so now a good question then is as we reflect on the word we need to know and understand when does this judgment start and when does it end and while it is in progress what are we uh, to do or what is our duty in this judgment? Right. So we can actually see as we study scripture that the Bible talks of judgment. So in, in, in this case, in Revelation chapter 14, verse 7, we see that the Bible speaks of the judgment as something that is happening, present tense. However, there are also verses in the Bible that speaks of the judgment as something that will come Uh, will take place so Mm. in other words there was a time when the judgment began Mm -hmm. so before we can get into that let's have a look at ecclesiastes ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 17 i said in mine heart god shall judge Mm. the righteous and the wicked for there is a time um for there is a time there for every purpose and for every work so notice the word shall Mm-hmm. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Mm-hmm. Notice James chapter 2, verse 12. So speak ye and so do as they that shall mm-hmm. be judged mm-hmm. by the law mm-hmm. of liberty. liberty. Yeah. So here we clearly see uh, the authors looking forward to a time when we will be judged, when we mm. shall be judged. Even Paul, Romans chapter 2, verse 6 says, who shall 
render to every man according to his deeds. Speaking of uh, the judgment in that entire chapter, chapter two, Paul um, is looking and and speaking about this judgment. Um, in Acts chapter seventeen verse thirty one, it clearly says that because he hath appointed a day, right? Future tense. He hath appointed a day sometime in the future, in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man, Christ, whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. Right? Acts chapter 24 verse 25 says, And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time, when I have um, a convenient season, I will call for thee. So now, Revelation chapter 14 is telling us now that this judgment is come. Mm. Um, this message that is being given is proclaiming or, um, that this judgment is in progress mm. or you know, it has commenced already. Where, 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 um, where before now, in the verses that I've just read, we, we see that um, a judgment or a day has been appointed uh, future tense. Mm. So now then, this begs the question, when did the judgment start? Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, those verses are very interesting just to realize how throughout the Bible, it was always pointing, Old and New Testament was pointing to a time when this judgment was um, going to take place. But now specifically, if you remember in our very first episode, right, we spoke about God's method of dealing um, with his people, right? How he brings judgment and how he calls prophets and how he brings his message across. And then we ended with what took place in 1844 and all the movements that um, rose around 1844. Um, basically, the prophecy mm. that pointed us to 1844 was the prophecy of Daniel 8 verse 14, which says that, and unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Right. Mm -hmm. So we spoke about how this prophecy was um, the big picture. But then in Daniel, mm -hmm. Daniel was given 70 weeks. Right. So mm -hmm. now and we realize that this 70 weeks was part of a bigger prophecy, which was a 2300 days. Right. And mm -hmm. this 2300 day prophecy announces um, the beginning of the final judgment. Right. Mm -hmm. So now. In this episode, what we want to look at is, because um, we said that the 1844 movement, out of all the movements that arose at that time, there was only one genuine one, right? Mm. Um, now I want to understand why this movement was genuine and what really mm. took place in 1844 to, for us to come to a conclusion that this movement is the genuine one, right? But first we mm. need to understand as to how did we get to 1844. I think we'll just mm. recap again to that, right? Daniel 8.14 says, unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed, right? 2,300 days, Ezekiel 4, verse 6, Numbers 14.34, it tells us that a mm. day is equal unto a year. So that's how we convert the 2,300 days into years, mm. right? Mm. Daniel 9, verse Literal 20, days. Literal days. Prophetic years. Become mm. prophetic years, right? That's Ezekiel 4, verse 6, and Numbers 14.34. Daniel 9, verse 22 
um, Daniel 9 verse 24 tells that 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city to finish transgression, to make an end of sin and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up mm. the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. We spoke about mm. how this pointed to Christ and how Christ accomplished all these things that was prophesied, right? But now it says that mm. 70 weeks are determined. Now the word determined is meaning cut off, right? 70 weeks are mm. cut off. So it begs the question as to cut off from what, from where. Mm. You know, you can't just mm. say, but this is Daniel 9. But if you jump back to Daniel 8, that's when you get 2,300 days, right? So mm. you automatically must think or believe that it's saying cut off from the previous mm. chapter, 2,300 days, right? But mm. then Daniel 9.25 mm. says that, No, therefore, I understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem, Unto the Messiah shall shall be seven mm. weeks and three score and two weeks, right? Which makes sixty nine mm. weeks. The street shall mm. be built again, and the wall even in troublous times. And then verse twenty six says that, and after the three score and two weeks shall the Messiah be cut off, but not for himself and for the people of the prince that shall come to destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined and then verse 27 says and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week now we realize that this one week was the last week of christ ministry on earth right um this is the the last week where christ came into the picture right and unto he shall confirm the covenant with men for one week and in the midst of the week right he shall cause the sacrifice mm -hmm. and oblation to cease and uh, over spreading of abomination he shall make desolate even unto the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So this, we're not going to get deep into this because we spoke about this in the first episode. What I want to get out of this is if in verse 25 it tells us that know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. So now this tells us when this period of the 70 years must begin, right? And we say that the 70 years is part of a bigger prophecy which mm. is the 2300 mm. days so it means that the 2300 days and the 70 weeks must begin at the same time right mm. so we need to understand now when it begins and verse 25 is telling us that when the going forth of the decree to build and restore jerusalem right that's when the decree mm. begins right now this mm. decree was passed in 457 bc right by Artaxerxes, and we can see this in ezra 7 verse 7 to 11 you can do that on mm. your own later on. Or you can go rewatch the first episode where we went deep into the subject, right? So now if we take 70 weeks, right, and then we convert that to days, right? So it's 70 times 7, we get 490 years, right? Mm. Um, mm. We get 490 years. And now this 490 years began in 457, right? And that's also where the 2300 years began, Right. Mm. So now say 2000 because now it says 70 weeks, right? 490 years are determined upon thy people, right? They're cut off. So we mm. therefore take four, 490 years from 2300 years, right? And we get to 1810, right? 1810, mm. right? Now that already, that period took us to the time of like the ending, right? Which was AD 34, right? Because that's mm. when the um, the prophecy said that the 70 weeks end so the 70 weeks ends at AD 34 right now if you take AD 34 and then you plus mm -hmm. that 
with the remaining 810 years that takes us to 1844 mm. right that's how mm. we get to 1844 we just remove 70 weeks from 2300 days and then from that we add on the eight, um AD 34 and then we get to 1844 so i hope this was clear right i we're just rushing mm. through this because we can't really get deep because that's not why we are that's not the subject of discussion now we want to get to mm. the judgment so we get to mm. 1844 by 2300 days takes us straight to 1844 so yeah that's how we got to 1844 mm. so that period then gives us or that time gives us um when the judgment commenced mm. um when it's and, and it's it's also very <laughs> it's it's very interesting to know that <laughs> um this this week that you you mentioned the final week where in the midst of it Christ was sacrificed now um we can note that most believers in christian circles apply this final week to the antichrist right mm-hmm. um this is part of um what is called um among scholars futurism right mm-hmm. you get preterism and futurism where the antichrist is believed to have come um and in futurism where it's believed that it shall come in the future mm-hmm. and because of this um and this is actually jesuit philosophy right mm-hmm. which was introduced after the council of trent um and was initiated by the jesuit movement right the counter reformation um mm-hmm. which then crept into protestant doctrine mm-hmm. and because remember now the reformers believed that the papacy was the antichrist was the beast of revelation chapter 13 they mm. believe that right mm. um so what happened now from then till now um because that is largely not believed um mm. today so that was um that week is misapplied from Christ and it is thrown into the future where um most are now looking towards the east for an antichrist to sit in a literal temple so just something to note um on that issue um but the focus of today's talk is on that date 1844 right so this is when the judgment commenced now the whole theme around this judgment is that according to daniel is that the sanctuary will be mm. cleansed now to understand before we even get into anything is what does this cleansing mean mm. uh, what happens when the sanctuary is cleansed so in order to to understand this we first need to just take a moment um and study this concept of sin right so sin by definition the only sort of explicit definition in the bible is found in 1st john chapter 3 verse 4 right mm. where it says that sin is the transgression of the law mm. now we note in isaiah chapter 59 verse 1 and 2 it says behold the lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear but your iniquities have separated uh, between you and your god and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear right mm. uh, we can find the same um, sentiments echoed in ezekiel chapter 39 verse 23 and 24 and the heathen shall know that the house of the lord went into captivity for their iniquity because they trespassed against me therefore hid i my face from them mm. 
and gave them into the hand of the enemy. So they fell all by the sword according to their uncleanness and according to their transgressions have I done unto them and hid my face from them. So when Adam and Eve sinned, separation took place. Mm. Right? The Lord is holy. Um, he is just. He is fully righteous and he cannot dwell in the presence of sin or rather sin cannot dwell in his presence I should say so sin separates us from God and as long as we have the sin in our lives we cannot be in harmony with God so now the Lord has to find a way or not find a way you already knew the way before the foundation of the world but he now implements the way the method in which he can remove sin from us and from the universe in order that we can be in harmony from him right so god gives us in other words a blueprint a design a formula a method by which he gets us into harmony with him again by which he then the separation this gulf between man and God is removed whereby man can once again have open communion with God face to face as one speaks to a friend. Right. So this sin needs to be removed from our bodily temple as well. So as much as there was a physical temple um, which was made according to the ta- the the pattern which God showed Moses upon the mount. Right. So the pattern of the heavenly sanctuary, the heavenly temple. There's also a bodily temple, which is our bodies. Mm-hmm. So the whole cleansing of the sanctuary was concerned with the removal of sin from this temple, which um, is a shadow of the heavenly temple, but represents our bodily temple as well. So the sin is to be removed from our lives as much as it as it is to be removed from the heavenly sanctuary and from the universe as a whole. Hmm. Okay, so we notice that the ceremonial law of sacrifices and everything that was associated with that showed us how God saves us from the guilt or the penalty of sin, right? And hmm. you've mentioned that in, in previous episodes that where that represents your justification, right? Then it also shows us how God removes us from the power of sin sanctification then lastly the final work is where it shows us how god removes um, the presence of sin from our lives and that is the glorification so we will get a bit deeper into all of this um, and we will see that this is god's method of removing sin from our lives Right, Psalm 77 verse 13 says, Thy way, O God, is mm. in the sanctuary. Mm. Who is so great a God as our God? Um, you also mentioned how David was perplexed at how the, the wicked are prospering and he did not mm. understand. And then he says, Until I looked into the sanctuary, mm. then mm. I understood the end. Right, He understood um, regardless of what he beheld with his eyes, then he understood how it will all end, right? He understood God's way, which is in the sanctuary. Exodus chapter 25, verse 8 says, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So, if sin separates us from God, God wants a sanctuary. He gives us a sanctuary. His blueprint His blueprint that he might dwell with us. Mm. So this means that the sanctuary must have a way, a method, a ceremony, if you will, of removing sin 
and bringing us into harmony with God. Now we will notice as we go along that that culminates in the Day of Atonement. But there was also feasts before that. So just in order, those seven feasts are the Passover, Unleavened Bread, the Feast of the First Fruits, the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And these all represented um, the, the sanctuary on its own, the the items of the sanctuary and the structure of the sanctuary refer to events, right? Oh. And the feasts then refer to the timing of those events. Oh. So we will have a look in this particular episode, we will have a look at the first five. And then I think as we go along in the next few episodes, we will dive more deeper into the Day of Atonement. Oh. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you covered, yeah, I think you introduced the sanctuary in a very nice way. Um, so w- we can actually look at these feasts. Um, mm. You see, I think what um, what causes so many debates around the Christian circles and why there isn't so much unity among the Christian denominations, but we profess to believe one Bible is that most denominations don't have an understanding of the sanctuary. You know, mm. like you said, David didn't understand a lot of things until he went into the sanctuary. Then he understood everything, right? And here the verse says that God's way is in the sanctuary, right? Mm -hmm. So if we understand how God does his things, how God deals with his people, we need to understand what the sanctuary message is all about, right? And this is the message that makes Seventh-day Adventist Church denomination distinct from every other denomination. It's this message and I tell you, I tell you, once someone gets an understanding of the sanctuary, mm. they understand everything. They will become a Seventh-day Adventist by default. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mm. not being proud or anything. But it's mm. look, being a Seventh-day Adventist is not something that um, I can brag about or something that I can say, no, mm. I'm better than you. No, 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 no. It's mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. if you understand your Bible the way the Bible is supposed to be understood, you automatically become the se- a Seventh-day Adventist by default. You know what I'm saying? So if people can understand the sanctuary, right, it's in the Bible. If they can understand the sanctuary, there wouldn't be so many debates, you know, because so many debates is just a lack of understanding of certain things in the Bible. And also... I like what, I li- I like yeah. what, I like what Walter Feitz says... Um, he was he was a Catholic, and he said when he came to the knowledge of the truth, he had no choice. It's not because he wanted to be become a member or mm. anything. He just he, he had no choice. Yeah. You know, the Bible just directed him that way. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the, the knowledge. And what I was what I was saying is that you also you can never understand the Bible fully if you don't understand the sanctuary, because mm-hmm. the Bible is filled with sanctuary language. In fact, the Bible is built on the sanctuary. Um, you mm. hear the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus through the sanctuary services, right? Jesus comes to earth. He's like, oh, my body is a temple of God. The fact that they didn't understand the sanctuary, didn't understand what he meant, you know? When he says, destroy this temple, I'll build up. They thought, no, he's talking about the little temple, mm. but he was not. They thought he's a conspiracy theorist. Understand? <laughs> Simply because they didn't understand the sanctuary. Then mm. Paul says that your mm. body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You'll never understand what your, how your body is a temple if you don't understand the actual sanctuary. 
right mm. you get to revelation you get to hebrews you'll never understand this because revelation tells you the sanctuary in heaven was opened but you cannot understand what is it if you do not understand the blueprint and it's interesting mm. how god gave it right at the beginning right right at the beginning and like he officially mm. gave it now in exodus 25 verse 8 where it says that and let them make me a sanctuary that i might dwell among them but that wasn't the first time that the sanctuary was introduced Right. If you go to Adam and Eve when they fell when sin entered into the world what happened right a mm. lamb was killed that is sanctuary mm. language there that lamb is directly connected to the sanctuary so right through the bible you see sanctuary so it's very un, um important for us to understand the sanctuary doctrine so what we'll do mm. now is we'll just walk through these feasts right so that we can just um get an understanding and to our viewers we can never understand we can never dissect this subject um specifically because we want to focus on the judgment and not on the sanctuary itself because that like <laughs> you said it can take us the whole year right mm. to fully unpack everything that is in the sanctuary but now the sanctuary feasts right or the sanctuary one year in the sanctuary right listen carefully one year in the sanctuary brings out the whole plan of redemption Mm. Right, one year. Everything that took place in a year in the sanctuary was playing out the whole plan of redemption, right? Mm. So, mm. the very and and it's also it's also like a time uh, a timeline sanctuary. It's a timeline, mm. like you said. The mm. feast told us um, the the offerings told us something else, but the feast is also telling us something else. Right? So the feast mm. specifically tells us the time that we are living in, right? Many people don't believe that we are living in the last days, right? And mm. I mean, it's, mm. it's it's fine. You don't have to believe that. They think the the Bible doesn't have enough proof to prove that we are living in the last days. But mm. right through the Bible, it shows like you can come to the same conclusions through many methods in the Bible. And the sanctuary mm. is actually one of those methods that you can use to come to the conclusion of we're actually living in the last days, right? Because mm. The judgment, like as you see in Revelation 14, the judgment takes place after the judgment, like after the three angels' messages. You see, in in, in verse 14 of Revelation, you see that it's a second mm. coming. So, like the judgment is the very last thing that is taking place before Jesus comes, right? Mm. And now, if you see, like you said, in the Day of Atonement, there was a last feast that took place before the actual Feast of Tabernacles, which was celebration, mm. right? Mm. So, anyways, before we get deep and lose the point. The Passover was the very first one, right? It was the very first feast that took place. Um, if you see Exodus twenty, um, if you see Exodus twelve, verse one, it says, "And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month, right, verse two. I'll read Exodus from verse one to fourteen. It says that this month shall be unto you the beginning of months, right? It shall mm-hmm. be the first month of the year to you, right?" Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, they shall take them a man, a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. Right, verse four. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbour next to his house take it according to the number of their souls. Every man according to his eating shall you make, um, shall make your count for the lamb. Right, verse five. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, you shall take it out from the sheep or goats, right? And you shall keep it until the fourteenth day 
of the same month, right? So here it's saying that a lamb was to be separated, right? From the 10th day, they had to select a lamb and they had to keep it until the 14th day of mm. the first month, mm. right? Mm. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel will kill it in the evening. Verse 7, mm. And they shall take the blood and strike it on the two side posts on the door, on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roasted with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden mm. at all with water, but roasted with fire, his head and his legs, and with the uh, pertinence thereof. And ye shall, and ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth until the morning ye shall burn with fire, and thus shall ye eat with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Verse 12, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborns in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be for you a token upon the houses where ye where ye are and when i see the blood i will pass over and the plague mm. <laughs> ah, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when i smite the land of egypt and this day shall be unto you for a memorial and ye shall keep the feast unto the lord throughout your generations ye shall mm. keep it a feast by an ordinance forever Right. So this was the very first time that the Passover took place. Or it was, I can say it was instituted. Right? This is the first time the Passover took place. Mm. Um, this was the last night of the children of Israel in Egypt. Right? This was their redemption night. They had to eat this Passover. And there was so many symbolism in here that I don't think we can touch on. You know, like the Passover alone can take us a very long mm. time to finish. But what was important there was them taking a lamb and killing the lamb right and specifically doing something with the blood right they had to put the blood on their doorposts right and then when the angel passes it will see the blood and it will pass over and not kill you right so the passover mm -hmm. can I, I can say that it it, it it was a memorial of the redemption from egypt right that's why they were taking the mm -hmm. passover so that they can remember how god has delivered them out of egypt mm -hmm. And what what we can also take from that is that even the timing, there was a specific day, the fourteenth day of Nisan, mm. yeah, um, where where this was taking place. And we also noticed that the the assembly of the congregation of Israel was was gathered together, and they were to kill the offering at twilight, which literally means actually between the two evenings, mm. twilight, mm. which is three o'clock, um, according to the Jewish understanding. Mm. And we noticed that that was the exact time when Christ mm. was sacrificed. Mm. Mm. I'm, 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 I'm going to get to the antitype now. Are you getting to that? <laughs> <Yes>, okay. <laughs> I'm getting to the antitype. I'm um. getting ahead of myself here. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's but exciting. yeah, that that is... <laughs> that is that is um also very interesting to note out of that yeah yeah so like i said the passover was a memorial for their redemption it's also a memorial for the greater redemption or deliverance from mm. this world right 
Now, when you mm. kill the, they had to kill the lamb, right? Now, the lamb represents Jesus. Behold, the lamb of God, which take away the sins of the world. That is Jesus. He is the lamb. Mm. So, the lamb pointed to Jesus. Now, mm. um, and remember the blood there to put the blood on the doorpost so that the angel sees the blood and to leave them, right? So that the mm. plagues won't hit them, right? Mm. Now, in the... Mm. <laughs> In the anti-type, right, like like I'm saying, there are so many things that I would wish we would touch on, but we really cannot, mm. you know. Mm. In the anti-type, Paul sums up this very nicely. He says that in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7, it says that, Purge out therefore the old leavened, that ye may be a new lamp, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, mm. our Passover, is sacrificed for us, right? So the fulfillment of the Passover was in Christ. Right. So basically now what we do now is we need to accept Jesus or Christ as our personal savior Right, apply his blood onto our life. Right. Those who do not apply Jesus blood or they don't accept the merits of the blood of Jesus because it's only you, you are saved through grace. Right. Saved by faith through grace in Christ. And so you need to believe in Christ and realize that he spilled his blood for you because the wages of sin is what is death. But Christ died for you. So if you don't apply Jesus blood on your doorpost, right? Mm. On your doorpost, like in your life, then the mm. plagues are going to hit you because the plagues are coming in Revelation. Revelation 7, uh, 16, there are plagues coming and it's going to come to those who are specifically not sealed. Mm. Right? So can you see like the, 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 um, the parallels? But Paul says that Christ is our Passover lamb and that was the fulfillment of um, mm -hmm. the Passover. Christ came and died for us mm. so mm. yeah so and and so there was a feast that was conducted immediately the following day mm. and that was the feast of unleavened bread so i will just read it as well um from exodus chapter 12 verse 15 um the passage that describes this feast all the way down to verse 22 Okay, seven days shall he eat unleavened bread. Even the first day he shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel again mm. <laughs> the seventh day. Very interesting. We'll mm. get to that also. Um, verse 16. And in the first day there shall be an holy convocation, and in the seventh day there shall be an holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. Verse 17, And he shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall he observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. Exodus 12, verse 18, In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at even, shall he eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month at even. Verse 19, Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses, for whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that, shall, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. Verse 20, He shall eat nothing leavened in your, in all your habitation shall he eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And he shall take a bunch of his soap and dip it in the blood that is in the 
basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the, the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. All right, so we find that the this feast was was instituted the very next day after the Passover, right? So there were three consecutive feasts, right? So the Jewish um, the Jews would always go to Jerusalem for three days, oh. right? Um, which began at the feast of the Passover. So we see in the the fulfillment or the antitype of this is the death of Christ. First um, Corinthians chapter five, verse eight says, "Therefore, let us keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth." Oh. And we find this fulfillment in Christ, which died with no leaven. Oh. In other words, he died with no sin. He was spotless. He was blameless. He was a perfect, unblemished um, sacrifice offering right so the unleavened bread is the removal of sin in our lives which we find in christ alone so when we are baptized we are baptized into his death right which was a blameless spotless immaculate death right so we are baptized into that and we are resurrected with him which we will deal with in the next feast to walk in the newness of life so the antitype is um, that the unleavened bread is removed from our lives, right? Um, where we are baptized into Christ's death, right? Which was a spotless and blameless death. So it is all concerned with the removal of of, of sin in our lives. Hmm. Hmm. And then, like you said, like in the verse you read was that um, in the feast of unleavened bread, they had to eat unleavened bread for like seven days, right? But mm, now, mm. in the very first day of those seven, um, it was the feast of first fruits. Like you said, mm. the very first three feasts were together, right? It was mm. the day after each other, right? So now, in the feast of first fruits, what happened in the type was that in Leviticus twenty-three verse five, it says that in the fourteenth day of the Passover, even in the fourteenth day of the first month, at even is the Passover. Right? So the Passover was first, then second, first six. Leviticus mm. twenty-three verse six says that. And on the 15th day of the month is the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days he must eat unleavened bread, right? Then verse 7 of Leviticus 23 says that in the first day ye shall have an holy convocation. Ye shall do no silver work therein, right? But ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days, right? So this is what took place in the first of the seven days. In the seventh, mm-hmm. in the seven days and holy convocation ye shall do no silver work mm-hmm. therein. Right. And then verse 9 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, verse 10, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye be come into the land which I give unto you, ye shall reap the harvest thereof. Then ye shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. Right. Verse 11, And ye shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow after the Sabbath. The priest shall mm. wave it. This is just interesting mm. how the Bible just connects. You know, I said once I was speaking to this um, one person who really wasn't convinced that we are living in the last days. And I was like, you know what? Ne? Oh, you are saying that the Bible is not consistent. You know, those people that say the Bible is not consistent. 
Um, mm. And I was like, you know what, ne? You can remove. I can. I can correct the Bible. Like if someone disfigures the Bible, I can actually say no. Ah, that is false because the sanctuary, as you said, is the blueprint. So if I take anything out of the Bible, then then in in the New Testament, for example, I can go back to the sanctuary and then check the sanctuary. What is taking place in this? And I can say no. That is not true. And do you understand? So it's like sometimes you can actually mm. see, like for example, very good example with these translations, Hebrews nine verse twelve mm. specifically. Hebrews nine mm. verse twelve, it says that um, not the blood of goats and lambs, but by his own blood he entered once into the mm. holy place. Right, this is mm. what the King mm. James says: he entered once mm. into the mm. holy place. Any mm. other version besides the King James will tell you he entered into the most holy place. Mm. Now I can boldly say that is that is false. Jesus didn't mm. enter into the most holy place. No. Because if you go back to the sanctuary, it will tell you that after the after the, the lamb had been killed, the priest then takes that blood into the holy place. Mm. So mm. you can kind of you see can't how you skip can... the holy place. Exactly. Mm. But now these other translations they skip the holy place and they jump straight into the most holy place, which is not true. Mm. So now back to the feast of first fruits, what happened was that there too. Um, bring the harvest, their harvest, right? And the priest would wave it and say, oh, these are the first fruits and stuff like that, right? Mm. Now, mm. the antitype of that, like we said, that Christ was a Passover, the 11 mm. bread was Christ in the grave, right? And then mm. the first fruits mm. was Christ's resurrection. <laughs> this is the fulfillment mm. of the mm. first fruits. Like, mm. which <laughs> happened on the Sunday. Which mm. happened on the Sunday. The very, And mm. the other symbolism in the Bible is Christ died on a Friday, right? Like this, mm. this is the other this are the, the other way we can say the Sabbath is the day of the Lord, mm. right? Mm. Christ died on a Friday. Remember, the ladies wanted to anoint Christ's body the Friday, mm. and then they said, mm. "No, we cannot do this because it's almost sunset, right? Let's mm. rather wait and do it Sunday mm. after the Sabbath." So Christ, in his death, kept the Sabbath, <laughs> right? Mm. He died Sunday. They took mm. him off mm. sunset. He was in the grave. Mm. Right, and remember, mm. Christ, Christ says, If you are in Christ, you're not dead, but you're what you are just sleeping. Mm. So, Christ was literally mm. resting in the grave because I mean, when Christ died, He said it is finished, meaning that He could have mm. woken up the next moment, right? Because mm. His mission was accomplished, mm. but no, He decided to wait till the Sunday, took the Sabbath mm. off, it, <laughs> took mm. the Sabbath and that's off. interesting because. <laughs> If you go back to the creation week as well, in Genesis chapter two, um, in the first view, in the first few verses, it says as well, and and the and thus the the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them, mm. and then Christ goes and rests mm. after it has been finished. So Fini- wow. now the same thing is echoed now when Christ says it is finished, wow. and then he rests ah, on the Sabbath. Uh, uh. Uh, the Bible is <laughs> guys. The Bible is sweet. <laughs> oh, the Bible and, is sweet. <laughs> and what's what's interesting as well on that note, when Jesus is approached and he wants to be, uh, they want to handle him. This is now on the Sunday, right? Mm. And Jesus said, "Don't don't touch me. Don't touch me. For I've not ascended yet into heaven." Amen. Correct. So, so yeah. now, this is Christ then. Who enters, he says he has to go to his father. So he goes to his father, right? Mm. Because um, some a couple of verses later, um, Christ is seeing and he tells, he actually tells his disciples, touch me, you know? Mm. Put yeah. your hands in into, you know, into my wounds, 
feel, touch me. Yeah. I am Christ. Yeah. So in other words, sometime between then and then, Christ must have ascended to the Father. Now if we go back to the sanctuary service, we know what Christ was doing. Mm. Because as you have said now, um, I think in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 11, you said, and he that is the priest shall wave the sheaf before the Lord mm. to mm. be accepted mm. for you on the yeah. morrow after the Sabbath, which will be the Sunday. The priest yeah. shall wave it. So now Christ being our high priest goes before the Father and he waves the sheaf offering yeah. before <laughs> the Father. Hey! And just, he waves just, it off. So he... Just, just on that... Uh, <laughs> Just on that, like the antitype, right? If you go to First Corinthians mm. 15 verse 20, it says that, mm. but now Christ is risen from the dead and become the what? The first fruit of them that sleep. Mm. Woo! Mm. <laughs> Lovely, sweet. <laughs> so, in the, like you said now, in the, in, the, in the Old Testament sanctuary, it says that the priest did not enter the temple only with one head of grain. He waved the mm. handful before the Lord. Neither did Jesus mm. come. Now, also like neither did Jesus also come from the grave alone <laughs> let's go to matthew 27 mm, verse 52 mm. and 53 it says and the graves were mm. opened and many bodies of the mm. saints which slept arose and came out of their graves mm. after his resurrection and went up into the mm. holy city and appeared unto many so when christ rose mm. up he didn't raise alone many people mm. rose up with him oh mm. like many first fruits <laughs> and he went and presented them before the father like yeah we mm. are the first mm. fruits of the fulfillment of the ty um, type of the first fruits jesus again was the first fruits and the many people that he went up to heaven with oh this is just now <laughs> now before we move on to the next feast just like just the two points i want to raise now there are many who actually believe ah I like what you said, like the, the sanctuary, because the sanctuary just like it it combines everything together. Hmm. I think it's such a central doctrine in the Bible. And there are many who believe in a Wednesday crucifixion, right? Hmm. I'm sure you've heard of that hmm. as well. Hmm. Hmm. That Christ um, Christ um, died on the Wednesday in order to f f fulfill three days and three nights um, to be resurrected. So there are many who believe in a Friday, uh, Wednesday crucifixion rather, but it cannot be, it violates the Bible. Mm. It cannot be, as mm. we have seen now, it had to take place on the 14th of, of Nisan, mm. right? Um, it had to take place on the Friday. Even the manner that was rained down um, every every day, it was preserved on the Friday mm. into the Sabbath. Mm. So it had the typo. You you cannot violate the typology. Mm. Mm. If we if we are struggling, if we're debating, if we're confused about these issues, all we have to do is look at the typology, and it mm. will tell us. Mm. So the sanctuary tells us that the the crucifixion was the Friday. It is it is non-negotiable. It was the <laughs> Friday. Christ rested on the Sabbath, and he rose on the Sunday. Yeah. So. Uh, and, I, and I on that point as hmm? I was just yeah on the side I think we need a sanctuary series where we can actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> and on another the second point I want to make is that when Christ said do not touch me I have not ascended to my father yet um, these are just side nuggets now that, that's mm. coming to my mind it also shows that the thief who died on the cross did not ascend into heaven mm. on that very day. We need mm. to take note of that mm. because mm. Christ says now I have not ascended and Christ said to the thief, 
you will be today. with me in paradise today so yeah. now we 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 need to argue from simple to complex here christ said um he had not ascended to his father so immediately we need to conclude that neither did the thief then <laughs> yeah so we we need to take note of these things um so it means that the thief is resting even till today mm. he's resting mm. and he will be resurrected um when christ comes again the second time mm. so yeah just things that we we should note now the next feast was the feast of pentecost right so pentecost was um it was pentecost and it was held 50 days after the waving of the first fruits mm. the last feast last feast which we just spoke about and it was the last of the annual feast held in the first half of the year so let's read leviticus chapter 23 verse 15 and 16 and he shall count unto you from the morrow of the sabbath from the day that he brought the sheaf of the wave offering seven sabbaths shall be complete verse 16 even unto the morrow after the seventh sabbath shall he number 50 days and he shall offer a new meat offering unto the lord so the first feast was called the feast of weeks right oh. um and this accounts for seven weeks intervening um between the passover feast oh. um another word was or another title was also the feast of harvest as it came close to the period of harvest which is very um fitting considering now we are dealing with harvesting of souls oh. right in the spreading of the gospel so in exodus chapter 23 verse 16 we read and the feast of the harvest the first fruits of thy labors which thou hast sown in the field and the feast of in gathering which is in the end of the year when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field um this feast was sometimes called the day of first fruits because the children of Israel were expected to make liberal offerings to the Lord at this time right so it was a season of rejoicing with the entire family um where in Israel the the levites and the poor um and afflicted were to join in right so the service of the feast of weeks or pentecost occupied a single day right mm. so many of the offerings as well represented are presented at the temple among them two loaves of leavened bread right we've just spoken of leaven and unleavened bread and they were waved before the lord so the feast of weeks was observed as an annual sabbath mm. and um was a holy convocation now getting into the antitype of pentecost right um we i think this is well understood um it is well um studied in christian circles so the day of pentecost had fully come and was seven weeks had fully passed since the previous fe- feast so in acts chapter 2 verse 1 and when the day of pentecost was come right so the bible clearly um spells it out they were all of one cord in one place right so the antitype of the first fruits was 3000 souls the spiritual harvest gathered as the result of Christ's personal work right verse 41 of acts chapter 2 then they that gladly received his word were baptized and the same day they were added unto them about 3 thousand souls mm-hmm. oh, can you believe it mm-hmm. one in a single day mm-hmm. so in the type the children of israel 
brought offerings um, before the Lord at the Feast of Harvest. So now those who enter into the spirit of the antitypical Feast of Harvest or Pentecost sold their possessions and goods, right? So, and and they they did this all to further the gospel. And it's also interesting that within about the first 34 years, we can say that the gospel went into all the earth, mm. right? Um, the souls heard. So this was a powerful ministry. This was a powerful movement with the gospel, um, and and we we will we will echo this a bit later on. Um, I, I think in the next in the next episode, perhaps where we will see something similar. We will discuss an event that will um, mimic or reflect this event. This was a global movement so to say um it, it was a universal movement that that mm. reached into all the areas of the world so we're referring to the early rain year um in this feast in this fulfillment or the antitype of the day of pentecost mm. so um in in those who entered into the spirit of the latter rain that is the event we will talk about um like the early disciples um, we should receive the early rain, which, by the way, is available to us even today. Mm. Um, they laid all upon the altar, so everything, everything that was hindering, they were in one accord. They, they laid all aside for the proclamation of the gospel. So, in Palestine, there was the early rain and there was a latter rain, and the latter rain was that which came in to ripen the mm. harvest. Right. Mm. So, mm. the prophet John speaks um, about. Um, the work of God in the last days and he labels or he uses these two words, concepts, the former and the latter end to represent the different phases of the outpouring of God's spirit. So he says, he that hath given you the former rain moderately and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain and the floor, the floors shall be full of wheat. So now we know that um, Peter, when he got up, he referred back to the prophecy of Joel that that was a fulfillment. So he confirmed that the the early rain was poured out. But now there will also be a second fulfillment where the latter rain will be poured out just before the coming of Christ. Um, so on that note as well, I'm, I'm, I hope I'm not getting ahead of myself here, but just <laughs> a, a side note. When that happens, right? So... Shoo, okay, uh, let's go back just very briefly um, for just a minute or so um, before we move on to the Feast of Trumpets. We see that fire was, fire poured down, right, and consumed the sacrifice when the temple was dedicated. Yeah. Right? We see that with Moses, we see that with um, Solomon's temple as well. Yeah. Fire came down and consumed, and then the temple was filled with the smoke Right and the glory of the Lord, and that no priest could enter into the tabernacle. Now we see on the day of Pentecost that fire once again descended and rested upon the heads of the disciples. Now, most believers in the Christian circle are so concerned, and, and rightly so, with what happened on the earth, but to such an extent that we forget that that is actually just a, a, a signal of what is going on in heaven, mm. right? So the, the, the outpouring of the latter rain was 
a signal to the disciples that the sacrifice had been accepted by the Father and mm. that Jesus was now to commence his work in the holy place. Holy place. I'm just thinking. So I'm just now thinking, there's gonna Yeah. Mm. Sorry. I'm just thinking of, 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 of the fire. You mentioned it in the, mm. in the in the sense of the sanctuary, but then in the mm. sense of the sacrifices, like directly linking it to Christ. Remember when Elijah mm. prayed, mm. right? And he made a sacrifice and he prayed and then the smoke went up to heaven. And then as, as a result, fire came down, right? Meaning that the mm. sacrifice was accepted. Mm. Same with Abel. When Abel, his, his smoke went up and then mm. like smoke going up, like, it's just a representation of that it's an accepted sacrifice Right. Mm. So also now when Christ went up, when fire came down, which is the Holy Spirit, right? Mm. It was representing the acceptance of um, mm. the sacrifice. Mm. Mm. And and when when the latter end then is poured out there, the temple that is in the heavenly sanctuary will once again be filled with smoke so that no priest can then enter and minister. So that's when the 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 priestly ministry in the most holy place will then come to an end. But we'll talk about that again. Mm. Just a side note. Um, so, yeah, so all these feasts up until the Feast of Trumpets were all fulfilled and everything has taken place. So what we're going to look at next is what took place um, next, which is important since it happened not too long ago. Mm. And we are referring to 1844, which you have mentioned um, as we opened up this discussion. So we are moving closer now towards our time. And the next feast, we, feast which we will discuss is that of the trumpets, the Feast mm. of the Trumpets. Um, I, I don't know if our viewers can see or our listeners can see um, like the trend that we are walking in in a time like we, it's a timeline that we are actually walking in and we're getting closer and closer to our time. Right? When Jesus came, we know that there was AD 27. Jesus was baptized when he came. And, right? So from there, like now, Jesus died and he went up to heaven. And the Pentecost took place around that time, the first century. Right? Mm -hmm. And then now we are jumping now to... Because remember, there's 2,300 days. And it's interesting how between the Pentecost and the Feast of Trumpets, nothing took place for a while. It was like just... A lot of offerings that took place but no feast took place so now if you mm. see when jesus ascended and the day of pentecost took place there was a while of nothingness right like nothing took place between this period until now we get to the feast of trumpets right now the feast of trumpets leviticus 23 verse 23 to 25 says and the lord spake unto moses saying speak unto the children of israel saying in the seventh month Right, in the first day of the month shall have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing trumpets and holy convocation. Ye shall do no civil work therein, but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Right? Now, the blowing of trumpets was not a strange thing in Egypt. I mean in, in, in the children of Israel, right? When there was a war, it was trumpets that was to alert the people, right? The blue trumpets to say people must get ready. If there was supposed to be a religious mm. gathering, they blew trumpets to bring the people. But now, in the first month of this, in the first day of the seventh month, specific like spe um, specific trumpets or trumpet sounds had to be blown, right? Because it meant something specific was going on, right? So, in the seventh month 
on the first day, like they had to blow trumpets down a specific way. Now the blowing of mm. the trumpets of this was alerting people that the day of atonement is coming. Get ready now, you know, because the mm. day of atonement was like the most important feast. It was the most important day of the year. So now they were told 10 days before blowing trumpets saying that the day of atonement is coming. Get ready, right? Um, each month of the year ushered in with the sound of trumpet and also 11 sacrifices were sacrificed, right? So every month mm. to announce that it's a new month, there was trumpets were sound, right? Or, or they were blown and 11 sacrifices were offered, right? But now on this specific first day of the seventh month, right? In addition to the 11 offerings that were slain on the first of each month, 10 other sacrifices are to be offered as well on this first day of mm. the seventh month, right? Um, and the day was to be kept as a ceremonial Sabbath or an annual Sabbath and was one of the seven of the Holy Convocations connected with the annual feast. So this was a day of trumpet. It was a day of warning people through trumpet sounds that um, the day of atonement is approaching, right? Now, in the antitype of this day of trumpets, um, trumpets has to be blown, right? In the antitype, we need to expect trumpets to be blown as well to warn the people of that solemn day of atonement, right? So mm. now in our day, obviously we don't use trumpets, but now a worldwide message now has to be given in trumpet tones, right? It needs to be given, a loud voice must be given, right? pronouncing a certain message telling us to prepare for the judgment or for the day of atonement that is taking place mm. right um this <laughs> this specifically took place right the beginning of 1833 1834 right which is interestingly 10 years before 1844 right like can you mm. see how the type is fulfilling right so in 1833 1834 around about that time a message was given throughout the whole world right or to to the civilized um, nations of that time right mm. um that message was given with trumpet tones or it was a loud message an alerting message to arouse people for mm. the day of atonement that is approaching right and specifically the message we were busy announcing was the hour of his judgment mm. is come get ready for the day of atonement this is now the anti-typical. So, right, a man named William Miller and others of their, um, and others, they were studying now the, Dan the prophecy of Daniel 8, verse 14. Unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed, right? In the anti-typical, in the typical, right, in Israel, they, the day of atonement was a day to cleanse the sanctuary, right? But now in the anti-typical, Daniel says that unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed, right? But now you will notice that the sanctuary had ceased to exist now. Mm. After Christ died on the cross, the sanctuary, they say that the, the, the curtain was rent in twain, right? Meaning that the sanctuary there it was not um, important anymore. And we'll discuss in the next um, study about this sanctuary, what then happened, which sanctuary were we, uh, is Daniel referring to now, right? Mm. Um. So, 
in the period of 1844 they were announcing that the judgment is coming the day of atonement mm. is approaching right um they mm. failed however to um connect the text with the ancient typical sanctuary right that's what they did right they, like they didn't understand fully but they just knew that the sanctuary mm. must be cleansed so they thought mm. that the sanctuary since it was a confusion since the sanctuary was um done away with when Christ died mm. they just thought we can use cuz a common doctrine was preached around them saying that the earth right or some part of the earth is the sanctuary so they automatically mm. said that okay the sanctuary being cleansed is Christ coming and burning this whole earth and we go to heaven with him mm. so this was this mm. was what they thought right but now like william miller and many other ministers right many other people all over the world england and asia they were busy preaching mm. the hour of his judgment is coming mm. and this was mm. during the 10 years that was preceding the 10th mm. day of the 7th month of the jewish um time right mm. in 18 in mm. 184 in 18 mm. <laughs> it's, it's 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 very interesting because history tells us it's interesting if you look in revelation 9 right specifically the trumpets right the the trumpets and it tells you of the history of the empire that was reigning last it ended like in 1840 right and then from then on that was that is when the culmination or the climax of this judgment message being started to be preached right because mm. now revelation 10 mm. will tell you of a great angel that comes down with an open book and telling the people that the time is no more right and that revelation 10 and revelation 14 verse 6 and 7 is the same thing so it was like the time was here the judgment was being announced and william miller and many other people were preaching revelation 14 verse 6 and 7 the hour of his judgment is come now this message was due was um due at the period of this world, the world history right remember in, like you said paul you said Paul preached the judgment to come right so it means that at a specific time in this world's history the judgment had to come and we can fully i think we can clearly see now that the feast of trumpets the antitypical feast of trumpets announced mm. this antitypical day of the feast of trumpets that the judgment is come and this was the message that they were preaching right Um yeah the judgment has come the judgment is come mm. this was the message of William Miller William Miller and many other ministers in 1844 So to to wrap up and to close off um it's it's very difficult to condense all of this into an hour mm. um but we we've tried and um this this just so so much to talk about um and as you have said right in in failing to to connect um the 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 sanctuary message and the cleansing aspect there of um they they fail to understood the true meaning of of the event that occurred so they had the time the time prophecy they applied the the day year principle as you've spoken about previously and they came to the date right um 1844 but they fail to understand now um to close off this episode um if we go back to the disciples when when they cried blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the lord and they spread palm block palm branches in the way mm. when jesus rode on 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 the the, the ass colt. or the colt mm. the colt yes 
believing that he was entering Jerusalem to take the earthly kingdom, right? So they believed as a fulfillment of the prophecy of Zechariah 9 verse 9 that Jesus would come and he would he would um, establish temporal, his temporal kingdom, right? He would um, relieve them from the oppression of the Romans, right? So th- this is what they longed for. Um, and they had not known um, that a few days later that their Christ would be crucified. Now, if they had known that Christ would be crucified, they would not have been able to fulfill the prophecy for surely then they mm. would not have rejoiced greatly. So mm. it's like, it's how it's amazing and interesting how the Bible just like takes everything into account. And like what really boggles my mind is that the, the Bible gives you prophecy like it tells you what's going to happen but what's Mm. amazing about this prophecy more than anything else is the prophecy does not knowledge of the future doesn't change the future which is Mm. like mind-boggling you know it it will come to pass the word of the lord will always come to pass so Mm. they rejoiced but had they not rejoiced then the prophecy would not have been fulfilled so um in like manner um the 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 message that was to go to the world between 1834 and 1844 closing in in 1844 it could not have gone with the power and the remember this was an advent movement this was yeah. a global advent movement as you've just pointed out so it would not have gone out with the power and the joy and 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 all that surrounded that um had they actually understood <laughs> like it's ironic eh? they actually understood it would not have gone out with all of that joy yeah. to those um who it had, had been given to had they understood that instead of the savior coming to this world he was to enter the most holy place and to begin the work of the investigative judgment so god hid all of this from their faces or from them um that there was actually other messages to be given to the world before the lord should come with great power and with glory now just to to end to wrap all of this up um if we go to revelation chapter 10 we see john receiving a book from an angel Mm. right and the the angel instructs him to eat this book Mm. right and john says he he eats this book and when it's in his mouth it is sweet Mm. right so it's a pleasant experience but then when he he digests the book mm. it becomes bitter right so it's a bitter sweet experience now having said that if we go to ezekiel chapter 3 the first three verses i believe he describes ezekiel also given a roll or a scroll in other words a book if you will in ancient times and he receives this word right so god gives him a message a prophetic word ezekiel receives this word he understands it and in understanding it he assimilates it he eats it and it is sweet because he understands it and then is eagerly told now that you know the word now that you've received it you've assimil- assimilated now go and preach now mm. go and prophes- prophesy so in likewise john receives um similar to john the millerites received the word Right, they 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 studied it and they believed that they understood it. Therefore, it was sweet in their mouths, right? But when they realized that it um that it did not happen as they thought it would, it turned bitter. 
right? So now the angel tells John, who is a representation of the Millerite movement, now the angel tells John, now you must go and prophesy again. So when the Millerites understood that they did not, um, the they did not understand the prophecy in its entirety. Um, they misapplied the, the actual event that would occur. But now when they understood it, they were now to go and prophesy. And this is the message which we are referring to in this entire series. This is the message of judgment that we referred to in the very first episode. Right? So we are pointing back to it now um, in Revelation chapter 14. So if I can just finish off. Revelation chapter 14 verse 6, it says, Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come. Mm. So now as we go along, it should make more sense to us now what these angels represent, why they're flying in the midst of heaven, why they're proclaiming it with such a loud voice. This voice has to match the sound of the trumpet and alert the people, calling them to judgment, calling them to look back into the sanctuary to see what happened on the day of atonement mm. and that is what we will talk about in the next episode i believe or in the coming episodes at least so with that i end off miracle will you please pray for us once again yeah no i would like to thank the lord for this study and we have clearly seen that the judgment really or oh, the 2300 days really began in 1844 you know, and now mm. the sanctuary is being cleansed, like Daniel is saying. Mm. And mm. with that, we can just close our eyes for prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father in heaven, we'd like to thank you, Lord, for this wonderful discussion we just had, dear Father. I pray that, mm. dear Lord, it may not just end in excitement and joy to read your word, dear Father, but may it work a transformation in our lives, dear Father. May it arouse us. As we have just realized now, dear Lord, that we are living in this judgment hour where you are busy trying to remove sin from the most holy place and we need to be removing sin from our lives only through your power, dear Father. So please help us, Lord, to accept you as our personal Savior. Help us to apply your blood in our lives, dear Father, so that we may wash our robes in your blood and become white as snow, just as you are, dear Father. Thank you, Lord, for again for your word dear father truly it's it's worth dying for dear father just help us to mm. please give us that courage dear lord where we can be able to stand boldly on what is written in your word dear father even as you have overcame by saying it is written dear father help us also to know our bibles and to make it part of our lives so that we can meditate on it day and night dear mm. father thank you mm. for everything that you do for us and everything that you continue to do for us dear father as we enter into the sabbath dear father help us to reverence the sabbath and to enjoy the sabbath and spending time and communion with you dear father thank you lord mm -hmm. in jesus name i pray amen amen thank you for listening we trust that you are blessed by today's talk please do share it with your friends and family and subscribe so that you don't miss a new episode